Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffpower coming to you from my studio here in Alvin, Texas. Today I am joined by Ruben Camp of Dark Horse IT, or Dark Horse Tech, I believe. And uh, you're going to talk to us a little bit about some changes that are coming pretty soon here to dentistry and to IT in general. And they're going to give us kind of an update for 2022. But before we do that, Let's have a word from our sponsors. Do you feel like you are wasting your time and money marketing your dental practice? The fact is most marketing companies are not focused on your best interests. They focus on their profit. At Art of Dental Marketing, our engagements are month to month, allowing you a low risk and foundational level to build trust as we build real solutions. Right now, TBOD members can enjoy exclusive discounted pricing on our ultra fast websites and local SEO services. Visit us online at artofdentalmarketing.com or call us at 913-214-8502. Ruben, how the heck are you? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on, Chris. It's, it's been a little bit, so I got plenty to update everybody on. Absolutely, man. I'll tell you what, um, whenever, folks, whenever I was um, practicing, Dark Horse were my IT go-to people. Um, fantastic service. Uh, local techs—they uh, just get the job done, and they protect you. Uh, they keep you from, you know, running afoul of things you don't know about. We're going to talk about some of those today. Uh, so this is really our Q4 2022 update. I know we have some things coming out in October. Uh, why don't we? Uh, why don't we start with the big uh, gorilla in the room? There are some changes coming down from HIPAA that I bet a lot of people don't know about, and if they do know about them they should be a little bit afraid because some crazy shit's about to happen. So talk to us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So uh, last thing I'll say about uh, working for you, Chris, was, uh, and for the audience sake, he handed me smoked brisket, sausage, before I even touched the computer. <laughs> I forgot yeah, I was, about that. I was warmly greeted with a uh, in, an assortment of smoked meats. It was by far the best greeting I've ever had going into a dental office. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so on the HIPAA front, you're absolutely right. This has not got enough publicity yet. Uh, dentists, I think they have this way of thinking that they are separate from the rest of the health community, but HIPAA really lumps everyone in, right? A, a hospital and a small dental practice are under the same requirements, which is kind of hard. You know? It's crazy, right? My aunt works for, uh, you know, a, a healthcare system, and she's a full-time compliance officer, and she has other people in that. There's a whole department for that. And really, when we're talking about dental offices, we're talking about that role is really a combination of software, the doctor, and mm -hmm. the IT company. So it, you're trying to fill that role in a couple of different ways. But big update now. Uh, they call it the 21st century <laughs> update. Uh, it is right now scheduled to be released and enforced in October, so about two months away from when we're airing this podcast. Now, what is it saying? It, sa it says a lot of things, but really the core uh, change that we need to be worried about is it says you need to give patients real-time, on-demand access to their records. 
And is there a limitation there? Um, you know, I hear that and my heart almost stops. You, you know me, I'm a little bit more tax savvy than most dentists. And um, whew, that's, a, that's a pucker moment for me. So is it is it access just to their diagnosis, di- access to their images, access to your personal notes about them? I can see a lot of ways this could go very south. Uh, it is access, ubiquitous access, right? Uh, I don't think you have to share your account alerts that say, hey, this patient is a freaking lunatic, you know, warning before you walk in the operatory. Not that stuff, not the account alerts. But every every uh, x-ray you've taken, every note you've taken, um, you know, like when I think about my primary healthcare provider, this is, this already exists in their software and it has for a very long time. But, you, you know, if you're just sitting here listening to us talk right now and you're like, how do I even do that? Is this on me? Isn't this on the software provider? Right. right. I it, use, well, I think the answer is yes. Right. Because it's on you legally. You have to have it, but the EHR has to implement it. Your networking yeah. guys have to implement it. You've got to have a, a secure VPN connection. I'm, I would assume a tunnel. It, you know, it's a super awkward position because there are no practice management softwares out there right now that can meet this need. None, right? If you're running Open Dental, uh, most likely you're running the local server-based version, not the cloud-based version that's available. And to meet this need, there's not a software out there that that can fill that without. You, when we say real time, real time means they can go into a portal, they can access it on real time doesn't mean they send you an email and you have, that's what actually the law is right now. You, they send you an email, they request their records and you have a reasonable amount of time and you can charge a reasonable fee. This changes that. So if you're a dentist running, even if you're on like CareStack, which is a cloud-based software, native cloud or open dental, if these softwares don't have the ability for a patient to, to go onto a website, sign up for a service that gives them access to it, we are all going to, by default, not be compliant with this law. So that, that that's like a huge problem. Um, in the background, the ADA is trying to lobby the Health and Human Services or HHS to exempt or delay this for dentists. Uh, that has not happened yet. And they started working on that months ago. So it's a big, what are we going to do? Yeah, it's, so guys, you know, I'm pretty plain spoken and Ruben here is a very genteel person. Um, it's a big clusterfuck is what he really means, but he's just not saying. Oh, I didn't know we were playing by HBO rules. Absolutely. <laughs> it is a clusterfuck. It's HBO all the time <laughs> over here, brother. It's it's funny. My, my, my kids were uh, looking at my podcast and uh, my son w- looked at it. He goes, "Why does it say explicit on all of them?" I said, "Because Daddy has a potty mouth." <laughs> oh man, he's gonna learn a few things. All right, no kidding. So, yeah. you know, what are what are the proposed steps here that you know a dentist has to take? I mean, they they can't be compliant. So, as an IT company and as a huge part of this HIPAA um, this HIPAA shell that protects the patient information. What are you guys recommending to your clients? So the number one thing we can do right now is apply pressure, right? Cause at, we are at the whim of open dental at CareStack, just picking on those right. two companies. Oh, to write, soft, you know. De- yeah. They need to write code 
And they need to also for their, you know, there's Dentrix Ascend and there's Dentrix G series, right? One is local, one is cloud-based. They need to write two separate programs. For Dentrix G series, which is on, let's say an office server in Alvin, Texas, they need to write a web connector that installs on that server that connects to a portal. For Ascend, it's already on the web, but now they need to write a patient portal that has access to imaging. Right. And, you know, don't get me started. Some people have a cloud based practice management software and local imaging. They're just, that's never going to work. Right. This. Uh, so, pressure, right? I have been in contact with all of these practice management software companies so I can answer my clients' questions, right? We work for 900 dental offices out there. They're all looking to us for answers. And I'm honestly so nine, just 900 dental offices and one podcast studio. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. You guys still do my stuff here because I couldn't find anyone as knowledgeable. So yes. a shout out to you guys for that. So um, I guess uh, to me, you know, the way my brain works, I'm seeing this is going to be like a multi-part solution. And there's going to have to be a hardware component, most likely on the, on the practice side. Um, though most likely the only way I can see this happening in a uniform manner is to actually have an exchange because if there was an exchange that all the the, um, the uh, PMSs talk to or EHRs talk to, yeah. then you could actually set up an exchange between the programs. Let's say someone's moving practices, because practically that's really what they want is mobility of, you know, it's health, it, it's a portability act, right? So they really want to be able to have that mobility between practices and the access. And to ensure mobility, it seems like you have to have some sort of interchange. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Am I smoking crack here or is that pretty much? No, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, what we're talking about here. Now, there, there's some companies that are doing some great things. There's one called Braid Health. I don't know if you've heard of them. They've got a contract with Walmart right now, but they're getting into the dental industry and they have there's the technology. <laughs> that's yeah, it's true. Uh, but they they have the technology to do this fairly quickly. But again, you're talking about $300 a month per office. And this that patient portal is just a small piece of what they do. They're really designed for DSOs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, anyway, it's we are in a clusterfuck. You said it best there. So wow. we can apply pressure. You just be ready because you're going to have those, like, two, those patients that are just too smart for their own good that know about this law and are going to ask you. Make sure yourself and the staff are aware of how to properly respond to this, right? You might need the help of a lawyer to draft that response because you don't want to just send something that's like, hey, we we can't do it right now because you putting in writing that you're not compliant might not right. be the best way to address yeah, it. That, so that might be a great <laughs> way to start something like a lawsuit. Send it. <sighs> um <laughs> which is the uh, mantra of my generation here, the millennials. Just don't think about it. Just go for it. Um, so yes, be ready to respond. Assume that these softwares are not going to have this ready to go in October. If, if nothing changes, it, it's going to be implemented in October and be ready with a response to your patients should they ask you the question about this law. Excellent. Uh, so on the on the equipment side, and mm-hmm. on the IT side, which is where you guys, I know you're having to kind of play tag with everyone here to make sure everyone's on the same page to get it done right. Sure. But what are some what are some recommendations that you see 
coming down the pike that, that Dennis could be ready for now. Like, Hey guys, start saving for a new switch or start saving for a, a, sure. a hardware firewall or something. What are your recommendations there to prepare the office for the eventual change? Yep, absolutely. And uh, for anybody acquiring a new practice, just assume that the, the outgoing doctor did not spend any money on his IT for about 10 years. <laughs> so have that Bud- budget for that when you're acquiring a practice. Unless it was my practice, in, in which case everything is completely up to date. That's true. That was fair. Um, so there, there's a couple things. Now, now not everyone has the uh, bankroll to buy brand new panoramic CBCT cephalometric units, right? So they, they do go after there's some used and refurbished options out there. The, the issue is some of those computers come with a Windows 7 operating system. And the reason they do that is because Vatech and Cavo, they want to set, sell you the next model and the next model. So what they do with their old older models is stop developing drivers. So you may have a new PAN to you, but that new PAN doesn't have a Windows 10 driver. And Windows 7 went out of compliance two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now you were able to buy extended support and that is now ending in January of 2023. That was the third year. How much of that could be solved through virtualization on in a server environment? None of it. Oh, None of it. That's We're talking good. about direct capture acquisition. Some of these units like the plan meccas have direct fiber cables going to a custom PCI card. This might mean gibberish to most people. I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's a lot of custom hardware. Um, and, and so right now, there's not a lot of great solutions. Uh, if you don't want to buy a new machine, you kind of have to notate in your manual, in your HIPAA manual, if you guys do have one, we are not compliant for this reason and why. But So minimum, document it. Document you're aware of it. You're aware of the security risk. And we're not doing it right now because we can't afford to do it, right? And so that you guys know, in general, when these things happen, there's always going to be a shakedown period where there's going to be some grandfathering. And so there will be clauses to allow you to grandfather. But what you really need to do is to make sure people write down that you're aware of it and that there, there is a reason that you are non-compliant. Right. If I'm, if I'm, you know, picking up yes. what you're putting down there. Yes. There are certain things that are required and certain things that are addressable. Right. And so you need to, at the like, the first thing, if you ever get audited, what happens is they say, show me your risk analysis. And that's just the exercise that you've gone through the process of saying, not just on the IT side, but like, hey, you know, uh, Larry, who comes in and replaces uh, our, our, let's say, compressors and works, like, let's say Larry works at Benco. Benco, and we gave him access to the building, so he can get in, no problem, right? Larry has access to the building. Therefore, Larry can see patient health information. Like you have to just, it's the exercise of showing you've worked through the potential security flaws in your practice. Absolutely. And and in that instance, guys, you would need a BAA signed by Benco. Absolutely. And it has to, has to come from you. (laughs) Like uh, we have BAAs, we give the clients that don't have them and and that's fine. Put your name here and then send this back to us and we will sign it. (laughs) Exactly. And, And like, this is why the world is so silly. That document, which is usually one to four pages, is the difference between you having to pay a fine and the vendor having to pay a fine. Yep. And that fine is not usually not very small. 
right? So, okay. So BAA's access risk analysis. Uh, I've been doing this uh, professionally at Dark Horse for 10 years, really, really focusing on dental. Before that, I worked at Benco, still doing dental. I'm only 35, but I've been doing this since for a long time. Uh, we are finally getting to the point where your next server might be your last server. Yeah. Okay. So if you have no plans on changing practice management softwares, you're probably going to have to buy one more server, but that is probably going to be the last one. So if you have that built into your budget, let's say it's a four to, depending on the size of your practice, four to $10,000 investment, that should cover 90% of the range. You might start, uh, start to see the need to shift from a one-time investment to your, that's going to be a cloud-based service and every single cloud-based service is a monthly recurring service. I, I was going to ask, um, cause there's a lot of scuttlebutt around right now, uh, for, for anyone who's actually into tech, uh, there's something called Moore's law. I actually, I think it's applicable to, um, yeah. to medical knowledge in general as well. Um, just so far as the doubling of the, of the information, but, uh, there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there that Moore's law is broken now. Um, so I don't know if I, I completely agree with that. I wasn't sure if you were going that direction or if you were going to say everything's yeah. going to be cloud-based, but you're saying everything's going to be cloud-based from now on. I, I feel like Open Dental is almost individually responsible for slowing down this process. And it's a great software and people love it, but it's server-based. So I, I'm not, I'm privy to some information. I'm not sure if I can share that information or not. Yeah. You know the information I'm talking about? I don't know if I know your regarding cloud uh, cloud based and open dental and you. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm oh. an open book. So, so you you actually came up with the idea to do um, a cloud based open dental application I, five or six years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I I very much remember a conversation we had about that and um, mm-hmm. just what it would take to get that implemented. Were you actually the guy who pushed this through, or did someone else do it? I was probably first to market. Uh, it is, it's a system, uh, the, the main bottleneck, right? Putting a application on a cloud service has been done before. Right. The problem is speed, right? If you have a server that is 50 feet away from you, man, that's fast, right? right. Every single click you're doing in your program, scheduling, putting in a diagnostic code, it's pinging the server and coming back. So when you put that server in the cloud, which is, let's say, uh, if you're in Alvin, uh, let's say the cloud services in Dallas, mm-hmm. that same action is slower, right? Every right. single click. So the real technological problem was speed and lag and everything that comes along with that, right? If you go from an office that's used to a local server and you just throw it on the cloud, they're going to hate you. So we now have two cloud engineers on staff because we did solve this problem. It also opened a lot of doors for us to multi-site practices that really need to take advantage of open dental and clinics mode and databases. And they can use Microsoft Power BI and Jarvis right. and all these analytic tools to pull out custom materials. So you can go uh, open dental cloud base right now. When you really run the numbers, it really makes sense really after two and a half, somewhere in the two and a half practices range, uh, just in terms of what your costs are as a single practice doesn't make a ton of sense still. Uh, but it, it, DSOs, they've been doing this uh, all day long just because the, the centralized cost is unbelievable. 
Yeah. I, I'll tell you when, when you were talking there, I had a bit of an epiphany. I remember back, I think it was in, um, Oh gosh, I hope, I don't think it was millennia. I hope not <laughs> way back, way back when, and you, I know you'll know it off the top of your head. Windows actually, uh, Microsoft actually began, um, experimenting with pre-caching what it would do is it would use pretty much a really dumb ai to figure out the things you use most often precast yes. the programs i imagine that's kind of where this is this discussion is going to go with the cloud-based except it's going to have a more vast uh, knowledge base to you know these 300 offices this is the most common thing that's used and so your most common functions pr should probably pre be pretty fast because they're being pre-cached unless that i'm was... smoking crack there no, that was one of the things that we did, right? Open Dental is not a cloud-based application, right? So you have to design uh, a series of technologies around it to make it work quickly. One of those things is a small example. Every single one of those Open Dental icons that load when you boot up the program, all that stuff is local, right? We make sure all that stuff is stored on the computer so that, again, we're not it just doesn't need to come over the right. internet every single time you launch it. So there is a small footprint on the computer. None of the patient health information is ever on the computer because that is the glory of, let's say someone came and ransacked your practice. You don't have to tell the government because all your information is in the cloud. Or, or it burns down or it floods or or what have you. 100%. Now, the big, the big take home there, one of my associates called me last night and um, he said, Hey doc, I said, can you remote access? your the practice and I said i i could but i don't practice there anymore so i don't have an id and so he was like well can they get me set up i said yeah i talked to the it team they can get you set up to do that but if you are on a cloud you can literally pull out a tablet and log in yes. to your programs you know i'm, I'm sure there's going to be a gateway function where you can use a non a non-native uh, device you know like a an ipad and just run it in emulation mode it'll be a little bit slower but, you know, oh, actually, these programs are faster in the emulation mode. And the reason really? why is in office workstation is still going through the Internet, touching the server and coming back. That has not changed. Right. However, if you are a non-clinical user, I mean, somebody that's not plugging a sensor into a computer with a custom driver set, a mouthwatch right. camera, a CBCT, all that stuff still has to be set up that way. If you're like a DSO owner, you have five practices and you're just like, hey, I want to pop in. We use a technology called Windows Virtual Desktop. That actually runs directly off of the cloud server. So when you're accessing something, it's running off of the server where all the information is and it is amazingly fast. iOS, Android, complete mobile capability. If you want to travel with an iPad Pro with a cellular connection, whip it open, boom. Uh, get access to it right there. So that uh, working that through and right now our cloud team is testing kind of the next big thing that's coming down the pipeline here for cloud. Our cloud team is testing sensor and internal camera capability directly through the cloud. Nice. What, what does that mean? That means we need to set up your office once, right? We, we'd set up one computer essentially and we just deploy it through the entire network. So setting up an office would would just completely simplify uh, everything that's happening. Oh man, you know I you know the way my brain works. I'm seeing the problems coming, um, guys. I'm going to tell you right now when this occurs, and you're plugging your old Dentrix sensor 
into a USB to USB-C adapter, you're going to have yep. bandwidth issues that are going to cause problems. <laughs> you, you see it coming, don't you? Because they're going to be trying to play oh, yeah. this iPad because, you know, now it has host capability. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that, those are know. wonderful problems because they you know, are and they're fun to solve. Like wireless. And if people are asking themselves, where are wireless sensors? Well, the problem is the, the market, the consumer is saying we want sensors to be thinner. Right. And that adds a battery and that mm -hmm. adds thickness. So <laughs> you still see some offices that have their, their ScanX, right? Or their Foster Plate machine because certain patients are, you know, gaggers and right. they can't even fit the sensor in there. So until, I don't know, solid state batteries are implemented right. into these sensors, it, you're, they're going to be wired for a long it'll, time. It'll be the diamond battery. Come on, Ruben, keep up. Don't you watch YouTube? No, tell me about the. I'm just waiting for SSD batteries. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you, it's um, interesting times, right? I, I really, I want to chat with you after we get off of here about um, something you mentioned earlier. Uh, the, um, oh goodness, you know how whenever you have something on the tip of your brain, it falls off and you can't find it anymore. Uh, the, um, gosh, Microsoft blue whatever the heck we'll talk about it later okay. you'll know what i'm talking about off here okay. so what else should they be aware of coming down the pipe um anything that they need to you know be prepared for or um yeah so that's that's fairly comprehensive for let's say industry specific stuff now you know my, my job and our clients put their trust in me to make sure their offices are secure right that that's first and foremost my responsibility. What we're seeing across the board in other industries is the implementation of what's called security operation centers or SOCs, uh, SOCs. This is a human layer uh, added to the cybersecurity, right? You, we, you have updating, you have antivirus software, you have backups, you have firewall. This is another, in IT, they call it a multi-layered approach. That's how you, be, you stay the most secure. So this is another layer very ubiquitous in other industries, very slow to adopt uh, it, in dentistry. It's very, it's very complicated to explain to dentists. So that's the first barrier. I'll, I'll try my best here. Uh, you know how like when a, when a robber, I keep going back to people getting robbed, when a <laughs> robber Approaches what, a what house. What is this fixation you have with <laughs> robbing people? <laughs> well, no, maybe I've seen the Home Alone too many right. times. Uh, think about the psychology of someone who wants to rob your house. They don't want you to be home. They don't want you to have dogs. You know, they want to have a couple boxes checked off before they even attempt to do this. So, this, hackers are the same way, right? right? They want to hack you Christmas at midnight. Right, they want to when everyone's asleep, no one's at the office, no one's paying attention. So, security operation centers essentially they fill in the gaps in where uh, the current offerings um, like don't have someone staffed on Christmas twenty four seven. There are twenty four seven three sixty five, and they're really detecting user behavior. So, not so much. You can see why this is so complicated, right? Antivirus mm -hmm. stops software, but if someone's in your system. These are the people that like detect abnormal behavior and, and get them out of the system. So we recommend this for every single dental office. We presented this information. I would say of the 900 clients, 15 have reached out and expressed interest. 
only a couple will end up signing up. Unfortunately, that's just the nature of the beast uh, of our industry. So um, that is the number one thing we're recommending offices add to their system right now, security operations centers. And that's something they can get directly from you. Is that correct? They can get directly from us. Yeah, it's uh, our partners called Black Point Cyber. Uh, they work specifically in the healthcare field. They have a HIPAA module. Everything is ready to go. Uh, they have agents that we install on all the computers, and it, it uh, you're plugged in after that. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate that SOC is also a system on a chip. <laughs> We've got so many overlapping over overlapping uh, abbreviations here. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey folks, before I let you go, I just wanted to make sure I thank United Medical Credit for sponsoring this cat podcast and also the business of dentistry. Go check out their website at www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD to get a special deal. All right. Well, anything else you want to leave people with? Um... You know, we're, we're dark horse here. I had the owner, the founder, it's just me, right? There's no venture capital or Benco or curve behind me. It's, I would like to think we're still young and hungry and, uh, you know, we really want to do a great job for people. We'd uh, love to have, uh, anybody here love to work with you and have your business. Uh, there, there's some, um, I believe some discounts available through the business of dentistry channel. So if you do reach out, make sure you mention that because we can apply that for you. And we do everything, startups, practice acquisitions. You have an existing practice that just needs IT services. We're here to help. Well, let's, let's do a, one better for that. Um, let's go ahead and get a landing page made and I can post it in the group and then people can, people are busy. You know, it's, yeah. it's easier just to click a button and, and be redirected somewhere. Perfect. We'll get that set up. So guys, we'll be announcing those discounts later and, you know, we'll, we'll post a page where you can just go and, you know, have, have a checkup done. You know, you, if you, if you never go to the doctor, um, you never know you have cancer. So you might want to go to the, your IT doctor over here. That would be <laughs> Dr. Ruben Camp of Dark Horse Tech. Uh, Ruben, thank you so much as always for coming out and sharing your vast expertise with our, our members here and our listeners on the podcast. Um, and folks, thank you for joining us today and spending an hour listening to the droning sound of our voices, talking about geeky <laughs> tech stuff, but it is important. You've, you've got to protect yourself and there's no one I trust more than Dark Horse to do that. So thanks. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, we, ex we uh, are experts in the boring stuff. <laughs> I like that. It's like your new tagline. So, yeah, you know, you hire, let's say, Kane Waters. Great example. They're awesome what they do. I have no interest in learning about all of that stuff. I, the Augusta <laughs> rule was a game changer, though. Oh, that no is doubt. real. No doubt. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I'll just take that tax-free money yeah. right here. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk some more about um, about <laughs> about some cool tax uh, deductions when we get off. Guys, this is Doc Huffpower signing off from the Dear Doc podcast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc podcast on all major platforms.